Hey y'all, and welcome back to Sustain. I'm Sydney Murray, and you're listening to a podcast about environmental, social, and economic justice. So we have arrived at the final episode of the semester. I can't believe how quickly it's gone by. And while it is a little sad that it'll be a couple months until the next episode, I am so looking forward to this summer break, and I hope that all of you who are also students get out and enjoy all things summer fun as well. And not to worry too much, because for this last episode of the semester, I will be leaving you with a very interesting conversation I had with two amazing and incredible women who are together starting a company based on an app called Conscious. I won't share too much about what this app is all about myself, and instead will leave it to our guests. But I will say, to all my sustainability lovers who also love to shop, I suggest you stick around to learn more about how Hannah Rogers and Frances Binfell can help you combine those two passions and become more conscientious, sustainable consumers. But I think by giving people this information, people can feel empowered and spend the money they're already going to spend towards something that's more aligned with their values. Yeah. That was Frances Benfell, co-founder of The Conscious App. She's a current undergraduate student studying political science and economics here at the U. Co-founder and CEO Hannah Rogers, our second guest on the show today, is a student in the Environmental and Sustainability Studies program. Really, at the end of the day, um, the choices that we make in the product market really do matter, and we're voting with our dollars. Whew, ain't that the truth. Let's dig in. So do y'all just want to start with an introduction just on how you got into sustainability and where it's led you in your work in academic studies today? Um, Okay, so I was born and raised in Draper, Utah, and my first introduction to environmentalism was through my dad, who is quite the Boy Scout, is what I would say. And then my earliest memory of environmentalism is watching Bambi. (laughs) And I remember I was so traumatized by that movie that I felt like it was such an injustice towards Bambi's mom that she'd been murdered (laughs) that I swore on my life that I would dedicate my whole life to defending mother deers everywhere. And so that's, that's where it really started. And then I became a vegan when I uh, saw just what was happening to animals. And so I dedicated my whole life to animals and the environment from a very young age. Um, but the hard thing is whenever I tell people about like, oh, I want to save the planet, like people just didn't really take me seriously because um, a lot of people will relate to this in sustainability. Like environmentalism just isn't as respected of an academic career as, you know, being a biomedical engineer or being like a doctor because um, it's not as much of a moneymaker. But that's not what I'm going into it for. And also, I feel like that's changed very recently. Yeah, it's starting to evolve for sure. It's growing. Yeah, but back when we were younger, I felt like when I told people, oh, I want to be an environmentalist, they're like, you're never going to make any money doing that. And so it was an anxiety of mine. So that's where I really started to get interested in environmental entrepreneurship and doing things in the business world to um, prove to people that you can be an entrepreneur, you can make money and also be an environmentalist. So, yeah. So I also grew up in Utah. Um, I'm a political science and economics major. I um, didn't. I always cared about the environment, but once I got to college, I like it just really started to pick up for me, mm-hmm. and I spent so much time like trying to fix my own lifestyle, and I was like eating vegan and composting my food and doing like everything I could think of and kind of 
it was pretty tedious. I still do all those things, yeah. but I kind of realized that individual action isn't as effective as collective action, and the only way to really make change is to like create a movement with people. And so I started um, trying to kind of get in the environmental movement in my community. So I've um, on the legislative team at the Sierra Club, and I met Hannah, and we started working together. And um, I think the best way to cure eco anxiety and everything like that um, is to work with others in community and actually act. So, yeah. yeah. And so you're you're part of the Sierra Club. Legis- what is it called? It's a legislative team. So I'm I'm at, like it's a volunteer team, but we basically just like track legislation and do lobby mm. days and a lot of bill reading okay. um, and just talking to legislators and stuff. It's an interesting job in Utah. Um, a lot of it is just kind of like doing communication and that doesn't really end up in like fruitful mm, legislation. Yeah. Do you find that like, I'm sure you find it discouraging. At yeah, some it can be frustrating when it feels like you spend a lot of time reading all these bills like, and there will be really good ones and you, they just will never make it out of committee or anything. But it's still um, super interesting to see and kind of gives me hope for that there are smart people who are trying to do things in Utah to um, help with climate, so. And what are ways that you find yourself coping with that or, I don't know, recharging when you face those, for lack of a better term, defeats in not getting a bill passed to legislation or whatever it be? I think, um, first of all, talking to other people who feel the same way is super helpful. I also think getting into nature is super helpful. Like, going on walks, going on hikes will kind of remind me okay, this is why I'm doing this. Um, just kind of trying to connect with the with Mother Nature. And um, that always makes me feel a little bit more recharged, for sure. Definitely. And Hannah, you are a fellow with the Citizens Climate Lobby. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I work on the conservative side of things, which is actually a very interesting job. So I work with conservatives at um, kind of creating a community within the climate. Um, I work with young conservatives, I work with older conservatives, um, and mostly I just like do a lot of networking. Um, I do a lot of presentations at high schools about um, climate science and climate change and then like the political landscape of climate change because I feel like young people really want to do something but they don't know where to start and they also don't even have the language to start. So. Um, I created like talking cards and FAQs for people who are interested in climate change. It's like a little pack of cards that you can have that just has like vetted facts about climate change. Because I feel like you ever had that conversation with your uncle at Thanksgiving about climate change? What do you mean? Where did you read it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you can just like whip this out and be like, this is what it says. This is the the section from the IPCC report on climate change. And um, so it's just like a little toolkit for people to use. Um, And we actually have a conference coming up in two weeks where we fly out to DC and we lobby conservative members of Congress and we really just give people the language to to talk to conservatives about climate change because climate change affects everyone regardless of your political party identity. And um, 
I just really want to give people that language and that understanding, that community within the conservative climate movement. So it's really awesome. And um, it's primarily with students that you're working on? Um, yeah, because I'm a student. Those are the people who I'm most adjacent to. Yeah. But like, I've gone to the Republican caucus and worked with older conservatives there. I've been on the news several times for them. Um, I do a lot of public speaking for them. I've been on panels for them. Um, so working with CCL has been an incredible experience. And if anyone is ever interested in doing it, I highly recommend applying. So. And is the idea that you are specifically targeting conservatives or Republican Party members? Yeah, for my job, my specific job, yes. Okay. Um, there's other roles within CCL that are not just for conservatives, but um, I work with a man named Drew Irely, who is incredible. Um, and I also work with uh, another one of my bosses and the Utah-based team here, and we just mostly um, kind of like develop a little bit of empathy because I feel like conservatives and climate um, just don't mesh very well. But there are a lot of conservatives who do care about the environment but don't have other conservatives that they can talk to about their environmental concerns. So, And do you find that the students that you work with are pretty open and receptive to some of the things you talk about regarding climate change? Oh, absolutely, because young conservatives really care about climate change. Like, um, there's, I am finding less and less conservatives who are young that don't care about climate. I mean, it might not be their primary um, yeah. issue, if that makes sense, but there's very rarely pushback. But in terms of like, it's a, kind of more of a generational thing, like older conservatives um, that I've worked with uh, can be give me a little bit more pushback. Sure. So I, I truly admire what you're doing. Like, as much as climate change shouldn't be politicized, it is, and that's unfortunate, and it's really limiting, I think, to only cater your message and your efforts towards one side of the political spectrum. So, you know, you doing this work, I, I, I really do commend you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad I'm getting some applause. Um, okay, awesome. So let's shift gears just a little bit. You all are uh, business partners for a developing company. We are. Conscious? Is that? It's correct. Conscious. Conscious with two S's. Yes. What's that about? It's a dona domain name. Okay. So. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Well, tell me about it. What is this company? So uh, basically, we wanted to create a way for lay people to have, make, be able to make conscious consumption um, decisions and make it really easy and fun and accessible. Mm -hmm. um, so we're creating an app and a Chrome extension um, that gives people real-time information on the sustainability profiles of things that they're shopping for. Mm -hmm. So the, to give you a quick example, if you're at the grocery store, there, you might be looking at granola bars, right? Mm -hmm. One granola bar may emit a hundred thousand times more carbon than another granola bar might. You might not know that, but like, you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be able to know that. Yeah. But with our app, you'd be able to scan the barcode of the granola bar and it will tell you what the carbon footprint is and then come up with an alternative that that is similar to that product and um, maybe give you a coupon for selecting that one if you're in a premium membership or um, just give you the option to select that one instead. This is making me think of a website I used to use and it was looking more specifically at beauty and health products and some of the toxins that are often used in those like more common products and oh, I am completely blanking on the name but- Was it Yucca? Yucca? No. Oh, 
um, what is it? It was, but it was like the same same thing where you like type in the product name and it'll tell you like the chemicals and stuff. And yeah, it sounds it sounds a lot like there's a product called Good on You and Yucca, and we're mm-hmm. modeling our products after products that do things like determine if there's human trafficking in their supply mm-hmm. chain or you know wh- how much water is used yeah. because people have done um, transparency in the marketplace softwares like that like what we're doing mm-hmm. but we really just want to make it super easy in terms of climate because yeah. there's not there's not one specific towards yeah, yeah. And the, I mean the carbon data is definitely emerging like it's not yeah. everywhere so we're probably going to start with some sustainable some sustainability metrics that are more like widely available okay. um, and a lot of sustainable companies do calculate their carbon footprints, and so we'll be able to be like, this is the average carbon footprint, and this sustainable company has a way better product, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also want to gamify it, so we want to have it in the app. You can track your consumption and compete with your friends. Oh, nice. So yeah. you can there be like community leaderboards, school leaderboards, okay. you can compete with your family and be like, okay, who can have the most sustainable Christmas shop? I can so see this being used in school settings, like especially grade school and like science class or social class for the teachers to use as a resource to get their students thinking about, you know, just sustainability, you know? But the thing that we really want to do is help people manage their climate anxiety because this is the thing. People, um, producers want to put the burden on consumers. Consumers want to put the burden on producers. But really at the end of the day, um, the choices that we make in the product market really do matter and we're voting with our dollars mm-hmm. and we're just making those votes very informed and the best way to hold firms accountable if you ever learned about like the civil rights movement or any other social movement that has changed the economy mm-hmm. what they did was boycott goods and services that didn't serve their purposes sure. and we're kind of modeling it after that like for example if you don't agree with um a certain company's practices, then you shouldn't purchase from them. But people have no idea what their practices are. We're just making those readily available. I also think it's important because I think we've talked a lot about emphasizing that the burden really isn't on the consumer. Like we don't want to blame people for buying what's there. Mm -hmm. But I think by giving people this information, people can feel empowered Mm -hmm. and spend the money they're already going to spend towards something that's more aligned with their values. Yeah. I think that's so important. That's a really important aspect to emphasize that it's not necessarily like you're bad if you shop for this product knowing like this information. It's to instead to give people an option because a lot of times people feel like defeated in knowing that you know this is what's on the shelf for me to buy. What else am I supposed to do? And the time aspect of it. Like I'm very privileged in the fact that I don't have to work as hard as someone who has to work two jobs to support a family, right? So I have the time to Google sustainable products. I have the time to reorient my lifestyle to be more sustainable. But if we are doing that work for them and they just have to download our app, then that makes it even more accessible to shift your lifestyle to be sustainable. And our goal is to eventually like down the road make a lot of strategic partnerships so that people could have discounts so that it would be the same price or lower to be sustainable because oftentimes sustainable products are more expensive Mm -hmm. but I think that um, at least being aware we want to be able to have like filters that could be like okay what's your budget for this product and what could you and the other thing that we really want to do is with the gamification is that people will see that other people around them are also making climate conscious decisions and develop that kind of community feeling because so many people i mean i feel so alone sometimes when i care do things environmentally sustainable um besides people in my major of course i haven't really talked to many people who 
dedicate their whole life to composting and buying thrifted and stuff like that and I feel like being able to see that other people are doing that is gonna develop an even stronger sense of community social cohesion yeah you care I care too (laughs) absolutely exactly that's awesome so where are y'all in the stages of getting this app it's an app Yes, okay. app and a Chrome extension. Okay. So we are hoping to have it out by the end of this year. Okay. Um, but we actually are collecting emails for people who are interested in trying out the initial version of our app. Okay. So Ooh. everyone who's listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, please go to www.conscious, with two S's, dot org. And... Um, Put in your email, and then at the end of the year, we'll deliver you an iOS app and an Android app that you can download, and we'll have a sustainability profile for as many products as we can find. Yeah, it might start with a limited selection, but we're gonna we want to eventually have it for anything you can. Yeah, that's think of. another question I had. How are y'all going about? Like, there's a lot of products in the world. How are you going about? So the nice thing is almost every product is made by 12 different companies. So we don't, (laughs) we really, I mean, unfortunately it's not really a win. So of course we're not like focusing on small producers who are already significantly more environmentally conscious. Like we're not going to target Etsy per se, (laughs) Um, but we're going to, you know, target things like things that you'd buy at. DuPont or something like that, like any of these really big corporations. Um, So what we're going to do is just take ESG metrics from the back end of the company and bring it to the front because the data is already available to institutional investors, but it's not available to public. But the thing is, um, institutional investors, if 10% of them are altruistic and 90% of them are hedonistic, the firm who has a fiduciary obligation to all of their investors is going to go with the 90% who are just hedonistic. So trying to use ESG scores to make a difference in the environment is kind of a losing game. And we just want to create that pressure from the product market instead of from the um, private market. So we're probably going to work with ESG scoring groups and a lot of it is publicly available and you can estimate the average carbon footprint of a product that we would have might not have exact data for by how far away it was it is um maybe where it was manufactured and then like what the materials are especially like for example if you're buying something that is about three pounds of plastic right we can estimate how much carbon was emitted to create three pounds of plastic regardless of what you're gonna have to explain what is esg um (laughs) esg stands for environmental social governance and it's a rating system that institutional investors use to determine whether or not the firms that they're interested in investing in align with their environmental causes, their social causes, and then their governance causes. So governance means like... Like corporate leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, It's basically like a investment filter. So if someone is creating a profile for their shareholders, they could um, like only include companies that met their ESG standards. Yeah. Um, It's pretty, like, the literature is pretty conflicted on whether it actually does anything, Mm -hmm. um, which is why we're trying to figure out a way to bring it from bottom up instead of top down. Yeah, because um, shareholders at the end of the day can't really force firms to make decisions, um, but if the product market is disrupted by what consumers are doing, firms are going to have to follow what consumers are doing. And if we can get consumers 
consumers to make climate conscious decisions and make it really easy and accessible to do that, then firms who are still have to fulfill their fiduciary obligation to their shareholders are going to have to respond to what we're doing in the product market. And that's how we're going to make money, <laughs> is because if we're disrupting the product market by giving people this information um, about you know, yes, the environmental costs of the products that they're buying, Firms are going to have to come to us mm-hmm. to respond to the disruption that we're okay. creating. Get if that the makes data. sense. Okay. And yeah, we're also going to use like affiliate links and other ways to gem generate revenue, especially while we're because we won't have all that data initially. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I'm so sorry. You might have to explain this again if you already did. But how are you getting the data? Are you interacting with these 12 corporations directly or is that through the shareholders? We'll probably interact with them through third parties who um, verify because we don't like, for example, um, supposedly Shell and ExxonMobil rate themselves as extremely environmentally conscious so we don't want to go to firms themselves if that makes sense because it's not as trustworthy so we would be working mostly with like um third-party hd scoring groups so because they're already rating these companies for shareholders and we're just asking them to rate them for consumers instead and do you think you'll have like pretty good cooperation and trying to do that or um this is my thing um if they don't cooperate with us, we'll get the data elsewhere. And that means that we'll be working with either the government or we'll be working um, with other people who can rate the products for us, or we'll just be giving a mathematical estimation of what the product could be. So we have multiple ways to fill in gaps for the data that we might not have. Um, But if they don't cooperate with us, that's fine. Um, (laughs) But my thing is, we're all on the same team. We all have the goal to save the planet. And if they're as altruistic as they like to present themselves as, these ESG scoring groups, then they should cooperate with us. Otherwise, they're somewhat duplicitous. Awesome, yeah, I, I love this. This is so well thought out. I, I mean, as it should be if you're developing an app, of course, but I don't know, it's really refreshing like witnessing and hearing about this passion and dedication from young people. I know that there are a lot of like, young people who are passionate, but not so much in like working with corporations and institutions. Yeah, and the last thing that I'd like to say about it is um, working in the conservative climate movement, a lot of conservatives are extremely um, adverse to ESG scoring because they see it as um, wealthy people making decisions um, for corporations and then it's like more corporate power sure. if that makes sense yeah. but conservatives who care about like you know or who are more libertarian who care about um, like being free from power and being liberated and stuff like that like consumer choice yeah. more than anything yeah. and they want the consumers to make those decisions instead of wealthy corporations and so it's way more democratic and it just creates way more um, freedom of choice transparency yeah okay so just to close out today's episode i would love to hear um why you guys think the work you're doing not just with the Conscious app, but with your work, Hannah, with the Citizens Climate Lobby, and your work, Francis, with the Sierra Club legislative team. Um, Why is that work important? Wow. Okay. The reason why I think it's important is I'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox here. I'm sorry. I have this very deep belief that if you have human rights, like I do, as a very privileged white woman who grew up in Utah in a very comfortable situation, 
then I have the human duty or the moral obligation to defend the rights of other people. And that includes people who are going to inherit the planet after I die. Um, people who live in places that are extremely disadvantaged and are going to be even more disadvantaged as anthropogenic climate change is expected to wreak havoc on the planet. So I believe wholeheartedly that by working to defend the planet and the environment, that I'm doing my best to fulfill my human duty to and my moral obligation to other people, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the reason why it's important is because um, the reason why conscious our company is important is because we are making that easier for other people to do. Because I believe everyone in the whole world wants to do their best to do the right thing. But it's really easy for me, who has a lot of free time, who was very privileged growing up, to make climate conscious decisions. But if you don't have the time or the money or the energy or even you know the knowledge yeah. of how to do these things, um, but you still want to do something good for the world, um, this company is going to make it really easy for you to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel very strongly about it is because I want everyone else to feel like they can fulfill their moral obligation mm -hmm. to do right by other people. Uh, just with that, I always like to think like, no one has to do everything, but everyone has to do something. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's often in the climate space, sometimes there can be um, people getting really critical about one re non-reusable thing you use or whatever, but I think it's not about being perfect. It's about mm -hmm. getting everyone involved because if everyone did a little bit, no one would have to do a lot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Didn't I tell you these two women are incredible? Frances and Hannah's passion and dedication towards sustainable consumption highlights the power of the consumer in making accessible, individual progressions towards climate justice. Just as Frances noted, we don't have to, and we can't, do it all alone. But individuals make up the collective, and together we can make righteous changes for our environment, and for each other. If you're interested in testing out the Pilot app at the end of this year, you can sign up with your email at www.conscious.org. Special thanks to Hannah and Francis for sharing about their vision and goals with the Conscious app. I personally can't wait to use it to help me shop more sustainably. Or, should I say, consciously. <laughs> Alright y'all, that's all for this episode and, well, for the semester. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back in the fall. You're listening to Sustain, a podcast by the University of Utah's Sustainability Office. For monthly episodes, subscribe to Sustain on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To learn more about our work, visit sustainability.utah.edu or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SustainableU of U. Interviews and editing of this podcast episode were done by me, your host, Sydney Murray. The music in this episode is provided by Envato.com.